the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour, it is a delight to bring back Will Chamberlain, senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project. He's probably done more to educate um, Americans on uh, the problem with uh, big tech and censorship, private companies' censorship, and how to deal with them. He had a great piece in the New York Post just the other day, Rain In, Abusive Big Tech Republic. Will, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and just outline the contours of some of what we already know and the thesis you've been promoting for, I don't know, about two years now that I was slow to adopt, but I'm totally on board with now? Right. So, I mean, my my overall argument is that in order to stop censorship by big tech companies, we're going to have to eventually pass something along the lines of new federal civil rights laws that basically protect every American's right to speak on the Internet, um, that outlaw discrimination based on political affiliation, and that create a, a way for a person who is censored for lawful speech to go to court, get an injunction, and get their accounts restored or their speech restored. Um, and I've been saying that for a long time, uh-huh. seeing how much power these companies have over the public square, seeing what the effect of a censorship is on an individual, that they're basically removed from the ability to have any influence over politics, that they're just, they, they, it, it's just, how can you be a journalist without a Twitter account mm-hmm. in 2020, for example, mm-hmm. for 2021 now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this week's event sort of proved my piece is true. For a long time, we heard from people that, you know, that, oh, they wouldn't go so far, they're going to be reasonable. Well, they banned the press in the United States. Um, on Facebook and Twitter. And then I heard, well, you know, we can just form a competitor. You know, obviously, if, if they're censoring people, then we can compete with them and make a better platform. Well, Parler tried that, and it got kicked off the Internet itself. I mean, it got kicked off of its web servers by Amazon, and it got kicked off of Apple and Google's app stores. And, I mean, if you're talking about, like, what is a monopoly or a free market, Apple and Google make up 99.8% of the American mobile operating system market. So if you're off their app stores, you're not on mobile, and if you're not on mobile, you're dead. Right. So, uh, you know, the answer here is we need actual non-discrimination legislation. And Section 230 isn't sufficient, right? Or how do you talk about yeah. it? Right, go ahead on that. I mean, you know, Section 230 is, is ultimately about liability protection for defamation, right? It's a, it's a statute designed to solve a specific problem, which was, you know, you can't run a social media, you know, uh, business and be in a situation where you're liable for what's posted on your website. You can't. There's too many There's too many people. And, I mean, we were they were seeing that problem with just Internet forums in the 1990s, and it was it was an intractable enough problem that they passed Section 230. It, the, the problem is that people are kind of focused on repealing that, but, you know, the problem is not necessarily this, this, this moderator's dilemma where, you know, you, you have to worry about whether or not you're moderating so much that the courts will treat you like a publisher. Like, that's not the problem. The problem here is, they're using their their power to censor people, and they're you do it. They're discriminating against people based on political affiliation. So, 
I'm a big fan of rather than trying like kind of make an old law fit a new situation when let's let's just write a new law that actually addresses the problem we're trying to solve. Now, of course, you know, the first objections you and I receive, you more than me and probably before me, was that, uh, well, you know, this we're talking you guys are conflating First Amendment against the government and First Amendment uh, rights uh, applying to private corporations, uh, which have never really outside of maybe a company town have never really had to be subject to the First Amendment, to which you say? Uh, I say, you know, that's an accurate description of the current state of the law, but I'm making an argument about changing the law. Um, you know, it, it's like you could have said the same thing to a civil rights activist in the 1950s, mm-hmm. that, sorry, the law works this way, you have no right to enter any hotel or restaurant, they have freedom of association. Sorry, and if they want to discriminate against you because they're black, that's their right. Government can't do it, sure, but, you know, if a hotel wants to bar black people, that's their right. And that would have been an accurate statement of the law in the 1950s, and that would have been just as unpersuasive to a civil rights activist. The very fact that Parler has taken Amazon to court under a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act is itself a piece of evidence or proof, I should say, that private corporations um, are not simply unregulated by the hand of government. There are certain things we have said for many years they simply cannot do. This is one of them. Uh, uh, Secret collusion against other companies happens to be one of them. And it seems to me if you're going to be in the free speech business, I mean, is how much akin would you say this is? How much would you analogize this to issues of common carriers like phone companies that would that that couldn't uh, couldn't prevent you from from having service if you were a member of a certain political party? I, th- I think that's an excellent analogy, too. Um, you know, obviously, like phone companies can't just terminate your service because you're a Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, banks. I mean, I think banks are getting away with some of it in terms of terminating some people's contracts, things like PayPal and Venmo right. being like, you can't use our services. I think that should probably be outlawed as well. Um, I, I mean, I want to, my view is I want to get all these companies out of the business of figuring out who's a good person and who's a bad person yeah. when it comes to American citizens and their speech. Like this, they should just provide these services and be neutral. Um, and, and they would do and, fine. They were doing fine up until, I don't know, really up until about two years ago. They were doing just fine at that, mo- mostly. Yeah, and they'd, they'd save a whole bunch of money on, on all these trust and safety people and communications people. I mean, because, you know, another, I mean, I don't I don't like be always relying on civil rights analysis. Obviously, Jim Crow was much, much worse in terms of the, sure. the effect on black people sure. versus the effect of sure. losing a social media account. Sure. But there's an analogy in terms of how... Uh, you know, how business owners responded to the sort of the, the boycott, you know, among the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a hotel owner or you're a restaurant owner in the Jim Crow South, it's not like you're making money hand over fist. You're, you're, you're stressing out a living, and you'd love to take whoever customer comes by. The problem was there was private pressure to remain segregated because there was a stigma, and so you would lose your white customers if you if you didn't discriminate. And so, you know, in addition to racism, there was also... You know, the private boycotts made it sensible. That was until you passed a federal civil rights law and they could just say to any racist customer, guess what? We can't discriminate. Right. We're not allowed to anymore. So you need to deal with it because otherwise, if we do what you want us to do, you know, federal prosecutors show up. So, you know, like that's, that's kind of what I want to create for these tech companies. Like they can completely get out of the business of caring about whose speech is harmful or whose speech is politically inadequate and completely ignore these boycotts, because if they pay attention to them, they get prosecuted. 
It's an oddly interesting additional point when you think of the libertarian argument, and which is, you know, companies. This because this was the libertarian argument. Companies, um, they want their bottom line. They want big returns. They want shareholder uh, support. They want profits. And companies that will want that won't discriminate. Turns out. Turns out Twitter and Facebook are pretty inured to that concern. They seem not to really care. They seem not to want our business. They seem to be more interested in giving money to Ibrahim Kendi than 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 than, yeah. than making sure that they go from five billion to six billion. Yeah, these are monopolies. They're not. These are not companies that have serious market competition in their markets properly defined. Mm-hmm. Right. Facebook and Twitter might seem like competitors, but they're doing very different things and they serve very different functions for your users. I mean, most people would use Facebook for sort of family and friends right. communication. Right. And Twitter is more about news and media and breaking news and public square debate type communication. Um, and in their spaces, they dominate. And, and there's a reason they don't worry about competition. These, this isn't like farmers in the Midwest, like, you know, taking whatever prices offered. You know, they set the prices of their ads, and they're, you know, they're making money, they're obscenely profitable. So, okay, so they maybe give up, you know, I mean, 2% of their user base. Who cares? They're immensely profitable institutions, and they'll remain so in the future because they have this massive first mover advantage that no, and network effects that nobody can really compete with. And if somebody does compete like Parler, then they just get squashed by everybody acting in concert. So. No, I I think that's right. I, I just don't know what the other what 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 any possible other answer can be. Uh, you can't expect people to uh, companies like Parler to put everything they have into a company only to be shut down at the snap of a finger by political whimsy of Amazon or some other bigger corporation that mm-hmm. wants to keep them out. How hard would it be for individuals to seek a court redress if they have a problem under under your scheme? I mean, under my scheme, it would be quite easy. I mean, Poland is actually doing something very similar. They're trying to do something similar. Uh, they, they look like they're about to pass legislation that would do basically exactly what I recommended. Create a right for Polish citizens to not have their lawful speech censored. And if it is censored by these companies, they can walk into court, get a court order. And if the company won't restore their account, there's a $2 million fine or a $2 million euro fine. Um, I mean, we have civil rights laws and and. and sort of private causes of action. Yeah, private rights of enforcement, sure, of course. Right. And, and they work. I mean, they're very effective. If they're constructed correctly, if you, if you give people, all you need to do is add a fee-shifting provision, yep. right, where they basically say that the plaintiff, if they win, they get attorney's fees. Exactly. That means that, well, any plaintiff who's wrongfully censored, you know, can go to court, and if they're right, they not only get paid, they get to pay off their legal fees. So, you know, no loss. Will Chamberlain, thank you so much, sir. Stay close. We're going to rely on you a bunch. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You bet. Will Chamberlain, Senior Counsel at the Internet Accountability Project. We'll be right back. Eddie Rabbit, right? Yeah. Ronnie Millsap made that more famous, but that's originally an Eddie Rabbit uh, creation. Uh, welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Lance is in Phoenix. Hi, Lance. Hi. Good to, good to talk to you. Thanks for all that you do. Oh, thank you, sir. Very kind of you. Well, uh, much like your last uh, guest guest speaker um, talking about kind of on a federal level, uh, you know, my idea towards, you know, combating censorship 
is on a state level, mm-hmm. um, you know, much like any insurance company that wants to sell insurance mm-hmm. in Arizona, they have mm-hmm. to go through the Department of Insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A similar department could be established by Arizona's legislature, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Arizona Department of Social Media, mm-hmm. where they have to pay fees, uh, so good tax revenue for Arizona. You know, these big companies don't pay any taxes in Arizona, but they're making millions and millions of dollars off of Arizonans. Uh, so they pay taxes, funds the department itself, maybe a little kick, kick a little over to the education, you know, the left loves education money. <laughs> um, but, uh, hey, if you don't comply with our, with our rules of decency and not censoring people, boom, Twitter, uh, go to the ISPs, Internet Service Providers. Arizona says ISPs. Uh, turn off Twitter. Uh, they're they're or they're banned for twenty. Ban Twitter for twenty four hours, or you know, give them a ten million dollar fine for violating uh, Arizona's Department of Social Media. So that's an idea on a state level to do something that probably you know, if Arizona did it and Montana did it and Texas did it, eventually it would get pushed up to probably a federal level for some sort of uniformity. But that would be probably an easier way, at least initially of combating censorship and monopolies uh, than just going straight to a federal level. Lance, I think you're right. In, um, in it, it certainly could be done, as you say, uh, more quickly. And uh, originally when Will Chamberlain wrote his masterpiece on this a little over a year ago, he said that conser- he wrote that conservatives should po- focus on passing legislation at both the state and federal levels that protects all citizens' access to large social media platforms on civil rights grounds, uh, both state and federal, because it'll be a serious challenge to get a federal law passed protecting the civil right given the current composition of Congress. But states with heavily Republican legislatures can pass laws that protect protect their state citizens from deplatforming. Look, I think it's a um, it's a pretty good debate for us to have when we have the expansion of the First Amendment on our side, the the expansion of civil liberties, if you will, even civil rights on our side. Um, it would be interesting to see the left trying to protect monopolistic behavior and opposing it would at least put them on the record for what we already have seen that they do under a different name. But it would be an interesting thing to put the left on record here in opposing the expansion of civil liberties and free speech in the in the name of protecting a monopoly, wouldn't it? So, yeah, it, it would. Yeah. No, would. I, I, I and, think. You know, go ahead. Uh, in addition, you know, you've been seeing a lot of banks, yeah. uh, banks and other financial institutions, yep. PayPal, Credit so on, they're pulling, all, yep. they're pulling all these, you know, the ability to do business. Yep. Um, and I would say the right to travel, the right to exchange your dollars, which are, back, you know, for all debt, public and private, if you can't exchange your dollars through your financial institutions, then you're violating numerous constitutional provisions uh, of the free exchange and movement of people and their money, money, you know, time's money, people, you know, live their life, right? That's time, uh, all that. And just in addition to further, you know, maybe the wrong word is punish, but, you know, Amazon and Google and all these, they're not incorporated in Arizona, so they don't pay any corporate income tax. Uh, perhaps there should be a, uh, a state, again, you know, you throw money at the state legislature, they sure, they surely should be listening to want more money, uh, how about a 1% corporate income tax on any business doing more than $100 million of business in Arizona? 
So Amazon, they have to keep track of uh, all the all the profit that they made in Arizona, and they have to pay a one percent corporate income tax based on that money that they made. So you know, and uh, and then that gives Arizona the chance to audit their books, see what sort of other little interesting things that they're doing. You know, or the same thing with Wells Fargo. If you remember, Wells Fargo, I think they money laundered $50 billion for the drug cartels a few years ago that they got caught on. So more eyes, you know, that might be a better thing. Maybe. I want to think a little bit more on that because I'm, I'm hesitant to make doing business here harder if it means more more jobs and more growth of the economy without it. So I, I would want to think a bit on that a little bit more. And I know we fought in the past these kinds of uh, – interstate tax transactions. So I, I want to return to that. But I think what we are seeing, certainly when it comes to the free speech argument with these companies, that um, that the libertarian argument it, it is not sufficient here any longer. Uh, the libertarian argument was if you don't like it, switch the channel. If you don't like it, create your own corporation. We tried that. We tried that. And, and the strength <laughs> of the monopoly was too big. Yeah, so, well, that was my two cents. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. Uh, like I said, you throw you throw some tax revenue at the state legislature. You know, that gets the uh, you know money greases a lot of things, especially in government. So, hopefully, they'll create a social media uh, department of social media <laughs> to that they have to pay a few million dollars if they want to do uh, do business in Arizona. Well, we'll think on that a little bit more. But I I, I don't know why the state legislature couldn't create along your first idea. Uh, a civil right uh, or a right of action, a, a, a legal right of action against these companies if they do engage in viewpoint discrimination, uh, just the way that states have their own civil rights laws, too. Of course, there's a federal civil rights act, but every state also has its own civil rights laws, which, by the way, are allowed to go further than the federal law. And, yeah, the states should be able to lead the way on this. I've always thought states, if they can, should lead the way on these things and that the federal government should enter only when states cannot. Uh, and this just seems to me, I know it's, it's, I know it's going to, I know it's going to be a hard fight on our side as well as with the other side, but it seems to me we're on the side of the angels here if we're in the mode of expanding civil liberties, um, up at, up to and against a uh, a corporation. I mean, the history of the progressive movement, quite frankly, <laughs> should tell us that they would be on our side on this. And the task, it seems to me, would be uh, mostly trying to convince uh, our friends uh, in the in the libertarian part of our movement that this is what has to happen next. Because I don't know what their answer is at this point. You can create a company. Parler did everything right, and then in the snap of its fingers, Amazon through the power of monopoly and google just said no not here no not here there is a reason for antitrust law there is a reason for civil rights law there should be because we have given them the reason a law on the first amendment and free speech and private corporations too that's where i am i wasn't initially i just don't see any other way about it It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. Balance of nature is it improves your health. It boosts your immunity. It gives you energy. If you had a rough or long night where you're depleting yourself, it's a great thing first thing in the morning. I take it first thing in the morning every day anyway. 
I get tens of thousands of vital nutrients, all from whole food plants, fruits, and vegetables locked into vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. It's 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. It's kept me healthy for over a year now, as it has friends and family I have given it to. Such a great product, all organic, fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, all tested for impurities, bacteria, pesticides, metals, you name it. And they have a great deal on their fruits and veggies, which is free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. It's a good time of year to boost your immunity. Give them a call at 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code balance. I am convinced you will like it as much as I do. I um, I understand the narrative that's taking place right now in trying to basically tar and feather every Republican in the country <clears throat> as part of a riotous mob that uh, entered the Capitol <clears throat> last week. Um. I've thought, too, that the Democrats might overplay this. They're beginning to. Nancy Pelosi accused the Capitol rioters of choosing their whiteness over democracy, close quote, whiteness over democracy. Um, There is a painting of a broad brush here, uh, a a too broad brush. And I'll reiterate what I said on the very day that this took place. I I, I wrote my, re, my my monologue several times to denounce it, and I was you know on it, five p.m. Eastern denouncing it. Uh, I was even late to the game. I mean, I couldn't get on the show earlier, so I was as early as I could have been. But I was late to the game as far as if you followed conservatives on Twitter, they were immediately denouncing it. No one wanted any truck with this whatsoever. The idea that all Republicans have to answer for this. Look, I think Democrats have a lot to answer for. Uh, of course we denounce it. Of course this this isn't something we should be on our heels about. Uh, as John Hinderocker uh, put it over at the Powerline blog, um, I will hazard a guess that the total amount ever donated by the rioters to the Republican Party adds up to zero, and the number of times they have ever been called upon to be spokesmen for the party is also zero. Um, if anyone should be reeling on account of the riots, though, I think it's the Democrats. Uh, we we have this audio. Do we have time to play it? This is what transpired last year. You don't see the video, but these are TV clips of liberals. You'll recognize some of the voices. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans, rapists, and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. 
Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and wow. our honoring our Constitution are, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. I think we get the picture. That's quite enough. You compare and contrast that to, well, this. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Which set of talks, which set of quotes... Our incitement. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. There seems to be this uh, advice the Wall Street Journal and other conservatives are giving or trying to give to Joe Biden and the Democrats that Joe Biden should show some leadership right now. If he's truly interested in uniting the country, this is his first test of leadership. He should call on Pelosi to knock off this attempted impeachment, which they're going to vote on tomorrow. I, I, I don't care about that advice. I honestly don't care. If the Democrats want to try and do it, they probably have the votes in the House. It's of no moment to me. I think they're drunk with power and about to overreach in so many other ways as well. This will be just the beginning. Someone who's on the House Judiciary Committee is, of course, our favorite, our homegrown, our Andy Biggs, representing Arizona's 5th Congressional District and the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Andy, uh, how are you, sir? Tired, I bet. No, full of adrenaline and uh, and uh, ready to keep, keep going in this uh, quest that we have to restore our great Republican form of government. Okay, good. That's a better answer. Don't don't let me ascribe a mood to you that you don't have. I'll take what you're having. <laughs> I'll drink what you're drinking, Andy. That's good. Uh, so I guess tomorrow there's going to be a vote on, on impeachment at the House of Representatives. Um, there is an effort here going on. You're in Washington. It may be hard to get a sense of it, but I feel it out here where every single person who claims to be a Republican seems to be uh, attempted. There's an attempt to tar and feather them as uh, untermensch and uh, beyond uh, beyond the uh, beyond the realm of society, not just polite society, but society. No, that's exactly right. It's it's even more palpable here. OK, uh, I was in I was in Arizona last weekend and I, I, I felt some of that tension there, but it is unbelievable here. So. So we're debating on the floor now a rule that uh, would uh, send a resolution asking Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment uh, to remove President Trump. But it not only does that, but it says, and guess what? There'll be a fine if a member of Congress shows up on the floor without a mask, uh, $500. Uh, uh, second offense, $2,500. And, and also that you have to go through... Uh, a magnetometer to determine whether you are carrying a concealed weapon mm-hmm. as a member of Congress when you go on the floor. It, it's it's meant to be dehumanizing. 
um, and uh, irrigate power to Nancy Pelosi. And and this is this is absolutely insanity. And um, the Democrats always overreach, but it's because uh, they're leftists and the leftists, the new I should say the new Democrat Party. They're leftists and leftists are always authoritarian. And uh, so they want to invoke this upon you. They don't care that uh, the country is on Tinder and uh, sitting in a Tinder box right, right now. Yeah. And uh, they want to pour gas on it and, and, and uh, start the fire up even hotter. It really is. And it's it's a really odd thing because we Republicans, it seems to me, don't have too terribly much to apologize for all of almost all of last year. We were condemning riotous behavior. We were condemning anarchic behavior. We weren't naming streets after uh, riot-based or or protest-based organizations. Um, And, you know, last Wednesday, the denunciations from within our party were appropriate and quick. I, 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 but, but the left is, uh, I should just say, the entire Democratic Party at this point has been on a long run of painting all of us as extremists. I started noticing it when they were calling us extreme for proposing social security reform in one breath and in the next breath referring to al-Qaeda as extreme. Um, you're, you're, you're seeing this experiment now in full bloom. Joe Biden, uh, the week after the election, saying if you opposed Obamacare, you're part of the radical fringe. Well, that's every Republican. Every Republican voted against Obamacare. They are really trying to write us out of this out of this movement called America. Yeah, and and so I wrote a piece. This will, this will give you a kick. USA Today asked me to write a, a piece, and so I wrote a piece, um, and it was I thought it was fairly conciliatory, um, and yet strong, very very honest, and. Um, uh, and I did say that the Democrats and the left want to make America a, a single-party system now. Mm-hmm. They don't want an opposition. Well, USA Today basically went in and, and emasculated the, the purpose of my, <laughs> of my piece that they asked me to write. <laughs> and you go, well, that's, that is the new censorship. The yep. new censorship is you cannot have an opinion. Yep. Uh, because if you have an opinion that does does not unify. So here's the way they view unity. When they say, we want to unify, what they mean is, we want you to do what we tell you to do. That's unity to them. Uh, And that's exactly the opposite of my view. Enforced unification of consent. Yeah, that's exactly Exactly. what Robert Jackson warned uh, warned against. That's right. right. You know, it's a funny thing if you put uh, some of this together. You were talking about the 25th Amendment is also attached to a mask mandate. Uh, this issue of safetyism, uh, which dominated so much of our life last year, and I guess still, uh, that that's what they're that's what they're doing with speech, isn't it? That uh, to have a Republican point of view, a conservative point of view, to say even that they want a one-party state or a one-party country is to um, endanger our safety. Everything in the name of safety at this point to curb every possible civil liberty that we know. Well, exactly. I mean, this gets back to. Uh, what I, b- I believe Jefferson famously said, you, you can have security or you can have liberty, but you can't have both um, uh, because you, you'll give up one to have another. And, and what will happen is to, to have freedom, you have to have you have to understand that you have to make choices. You make choices, assess the risks and accept the consequences. So with freedom comes accountability. 
but a lot of people prefer, I, I don't really want to be accountable for anything, so, so just wrap me up in bubble wrap and secure me. And so I can't do everything I'd like to do, but, uh, you know, I certainly can't get hurt because I'm in bubble wrap. And the problem is you can never have 100% safety. You just never can. And so when people think that they're uh, safe and secure and are willing to give up their freedoms and liberties to get there, guess what? They will never be. They will never be. 100% secure, um, so they, they can still be um, harmed um, at the same time not having their freedom uh, to do what they want to do. It's, it's just so odd that you can't say they want a single-party country while we've spent the last year or two or four listening to Nancy Pelosi and Ilan Omar call the president a dictator and a tyrant. They would let that run riot and rampant, so to speak. I shouldn't use the word riot. They would let those words run rampant. But you can't say they want a single-party country. Yeah. Well, don't stop writing, Andy, and don't stop working. I appreciate your energy. And uh, you're going to help us get a majority back in two years. We might. Uh, we're we're going to have some Republicans vote for impeachment. They've announced. So this is just really. Uh, All right. It's a uh, clarifying moment. That's what this is. It's a clarifying. This is moment. a clarifying moment, brother. All right. Well, That's thanks right. for keeping things clear. God love you, Andy. Thanks, you know I do. Thank you, man. You betcha. Thank you. Sir. We'll talk to you Appreciate soon. It. You know what we didn't do justice to, Bill? We didn't do justice to Tommy Lasorda's passing. Every kid who grew up in the 70s and 80s, 70s too? 80s, certainly I remember. I had dinner with him once. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. I had dinner with him once at a restaurant in New York with Sean Hannity. I was privileged. I think he was a part owner of the restaurant. Let's give him a fine tribute that he deserves. Here he was speaking to Congress circa 1998 on protecting the American flag. Back at the American history that I have been privileged enough to be part of, I can't help thinking about the other part of our American pastime that holds us all together. The respect we show for each other and the nation when we take off our caps, face that American flag and sing the national anthem before every major league game. I'll tell you, I still get goose pimples. That flag means something very, very special to me. For see, baseball, like the American flag, the national anthem, it ties everyone in this country of ours together. I'm here today for a number of reasons. First, I wore the uniform of the greatest army in the world, the United States Army, from 1945 to 1947. I wore that uniform with pride, dignity, and character. And I was proud of it. And because when I travel the country for the Dodgers and watch the news, I am reminded that one of the greatest things that we can teach the children of tomorrow is respect for God and country. And it's getting more and more difficult to pass on. One of the best ways we can teach disrespect is by protecting our flag from physical desecration. Boy, one would have liked his voice today if he would have seen what major, what became of his beloved uh, institution, Major League Baseball. But uh, they don't make them like that much anymore. And uh, we uh, 
mourn his passing and note it as well. Great American uh, lost there in Tommy Lasorda. I um I I I I, I don't know what will be going forward. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the Super Bowl handles things. I suppose uh, you don't have high hopes, huh, Bill? Are you going to watch it? You're not going to watch it? Okay. I think we're going to have a Super Bowl party, but you can come over if you want. I'll invite you, and you can feel free not to watch it. You can exercise your libertarian desires. Hugh and Lewis Hallman in the house. COVID, education, politics. We'll be right back. <laughs> 